Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hello and welcome to yet another newly pre-recorded Toonami pre-flight, just for you, the viewing public. Newly pre-recorded. Well, it's not live, but it's a new one. Yep. And we're here. (laughs) That we are. Let's do it. Despite our best efforts. (laughs) It's not very... Today we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to continue going down the paste anime list of the best anime, 50 best anime series of all time and we're going uh, slightly out of order yeah we're bouncing it around a little bit for various reasons but this week we're going to tackle the uh watanabe show uh kids on the slope which is a fairly recent show to already make the best anime of all time list but um i really like it and clearly so did the other people who made the list yeah 2012 it's been yeah i mean it's, it's not, seven years yeah I mean, we did devil man crybaby yeah, it's last true. week, which it's is true. two years ago yeah. or a year ago, eighteen months or whatever. Um, so, Kids on the Slope is—I didn't know this until doing this research, but it's based on a manga, um, which is—I mean, I really had no idea. But I, I know—I mean, it's not surprising because most anime is based on manga. But uh, it's cool to me that there's a breadth of uh, subject matter that there would even be a manga series about this, yeah. like only in Japan. Uh, so this series is basically a coming-of-age story about three young people, um, two boys and one girl, and they're all uh, school-aged, and they sort of meet up at school, and it's about their relationships and their love of jazz music, which, and it's set in 1966, so it's like the height of like when jazz was really popping in Japan. Um, it's just interesting to me that <laughs> there's a manga and series about kids like Yeah, it jazz. doesn't it's not super surprising that it's a Watanabe show given no, his, his predilection, yeah. But the fact that yeah that it's a whatever 9 or it's 10 It's just crazy. Anime. He must have read it as he, he I couldn't find anything to support this, but I'll ask him next time we see him. He must have read this manga as a young person and thought, "Oh my god, this is like, you know, it must have he must have had a connection with it." Um or, spoke to his childhood maybe. normally he writes his own yeah. stuff but yes uh the show is very much about jazz music and the characters bonding over being in a jazz trio um and sort of falling in love with this radical type of music radical for the time so the show the show stars kaoru who is a, a kid who moves into town he doesn't have any friends. He kind of is, he's smart and quiet, and he thinks he's sort of better than everybody else. He's a little bit bitter about having to move. Yeah, he moves to Kyushu, which is a totally different island. And yeah. And so he... Lovely place. Though. He is a classically trained musician, and he uh, meets a much bigger, older kid uh, named Sentaro, 
And Sotaro is kind of, uh, people stare clear of him at school because he's sort of brash and, you know, he's not really a school bully, but he's definitely somebody that's a bit of an enforcer. Out. Yeah. And he's like, he's not super erudite and he just wants to play drums and like just be a bro, basically. He's a teenage bad boy. Um, and then it's Ritsuko rounding out the trio is a young lady who's friends with both of them. And over the course of the series, Ritsuko is in love with Kaoru. And then eventually she ends up admitting her feelings for um, Sintaro. Sintaro. I always forget his name. And uh, by the end of the show, you find out years later, Sintaro and uh, Ritsuko got married. Um, and the whole time you thought it was going to be Kaoru and Ritsuko because she has this love for him, but they just have a different kind of connection. Um, the music is Yoko Kano, of course, who Watanabe has collaborated with a bunch of times and does all this amazing jazz music. And the animation is really cool because it's basically just a slice of life show, but they clearly spent all their money on animation, whereas most shows would spend their money on the action scenes. In this show, it's funny, the action scenes are like the them yeah, drumming. The but intense the, music. But it's really the drumming and the instrument playing is really tightly synced to the soundtrack very much on time and there's a bunch of covers of classic jazz songs and then Yoko Kano wrote some of her own stuff so it's a really great if you love jazz in particular it's a great sort of celebration of that era of jazz not my favorite era of jazz but I do love jazz um, so let's check out the trailer I think this is the Japanese trailer but I can't remember but this is a trailer for the show that sort of gives you a, an idea of what it feels like Even in the world of anime, it's an unusual show just because there's not a lot of anime about a bunch of kids being into jazz. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But it really is very much a high school drama in that, you know, it's very much about that time in a lot of people's lives where they discover new and exciting things and it changes who they are. And you meet, you know, people you become friends with and they might change you and it's about important friendships at that age that you can have and the intensity of sort of discovering new things and new romance and all that yeah i didn't have any of that but um it, you know most people do growing up yeah. growing yeah most, most people have that you yeah. didn't have it either 
you just came out of the robot box and then they just turned you on. You didn't have like a growing up period. No, I remember when there was a spider that was building its web outside my grandmother's house <laughs> all summer long. You watched her build a web all summer. Um, so, uh, you know, there's not, I mean, weirdly, there's not that much to talk about with this show. There's, it's not, it wasn't controversial. It kind of came out, it came and went. I think this is the kind of show where it's like, if this sounds like something you'd be into, You'll be into it. And if it doesn't, you probably won't. It's not like certainly never going to be discussed as a high mark of Watanabe's work, although it's just as carefully made and uh, well done as any of his shows. But it is. Yeah. I mean, it's not. It's much narrower. It's not of the, a, you know. Hey, I've never watched anime before. What should I watch? Right. Bebop. It's right. never like right, 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 Kids right. on the Slope wouldn't right. be the answer to that question. Watch Kids on the Slope. But it is definitely is a cool it show. Is. And it is the anime I would send David Chase to watch because he'd be into it. <laughs> Or Martin Scorsese. Sure. Um, it's kind of an old man anime, really, when you think about it. Um, but here's a clip so you can get another feel for it. This, I think the show's still on Crunchyroll. It actually premiered on Viz's Neon Alley back in the day. Um, it's available on Blu-ray. It's pretty, you know, Watanabe's name and Yoko Kano's name assures that it's going to be around. Uh, I'd say it's worth checking out um, if you think you might be into sort of a low-key slice-of-life drama about young people and, and jazz. Yeah, and it's only like 12 episodes. Yeah, so. it's a nice little... Um, Bang it out. Yeah. So let's check out a clip of the show uh, and give you more of a feel for it. I'm home! So, you took another good pound and... Oh, and you got a visitor. Mm-hmm. They're downstairs. Could it be Brother June? Come on, dude! (laughs) Why is the little squirt beat up, too? He was in a fight. Brother June! Hey! (laughs) Send boy, you been getting rowdy again? Yeah, well, today wasn't much of a fight, to be honest. Well, glad you're in good form. So, who's this cat? He's my buddy. Huh, cool. An odd couple, yeah? Yeah. Actually, we're mere acquaintances. Ah, well. Say, Richan, is that guy your brother? Uh Uh-uh. No, he's not family. Brother June is from next door. Now he's a really good university student in Tokyo. Let's go. How about you mind the store for just one little tune? Dad, you always say just one tune, but then you don't come up for two hours. It's not every day Junichi comes to town, right? Richan, I'm asking you too. Next time, I'll treat you to a tasty ice cream soda at our shop. Hmm. How about throwing in a cream puff? Natch. <laughs> All right, we got us a deal. Let's get started. Get, get what started? What are you 
hear it for, Shakey Shake. Don't sweat the details, just jump in. That's a real that show to smoke some tea to and just <laughs> experience. That's how the show feels, basically. So, Kids on the Slope, if you like jazz, you like Watanabe, Yoko Kano, uh, and Slice of Life, you should check it out. And that leads us to our topic of the day, which, you know, this show isn't exactly just a teen romance, but teen romance features heavily. So, we said, What's your favorite teen romance movie? Which teen is. Jazz Trio is a much more <laughs> difficult. It's certainly uh, teen romance is a genre that Gil and I, um, we just soak up all the teen romance stuff yeah. out there. So, um, you know, I know I know you had at least a list of 30 favorites that you want you I had did. to call down. I, I took a laser focus to this that I'll gotcha. get into when I get into okay. my picks that cool. I think will be an interesting. Gil's all about laser on. focus. It's the robot way. So first up for me is a modern classic. Um, my daughter absolutely loves it, and I enjoyed watching it with her. <laughs> I thought it was fun. Several times. Uh, and that is, of course, the great Mean Girls. Uh, Tina Fey wrote this, and it very much feels like her voice, but it also feels somewhat like a timeless uh, teen sort of comedy. And obviously, teen romance features heavily in this, but it is not necessarily a teen romance movie but there's some heavy teen romance so I figured it's, it's okay um, so Mean Girls is about a girl played by Lindsay Lohan at the height of her fame uh, who moves to Illinois from South Africa and enters high school, public high school for the first time and discovers the amazing world of cliques and all the wonderful things that we all deal with in high school so she falls in with a group of girls who are the mean girls, basically. Um, and she is accepted by them and tries to change herself to be like them. And they're all kind of shallow and shitty. And she ends up screwing a bunch of people over, including them. And once she gets cast out from the group, she spends the rest of the movie making amends and sort of fixing things and learns a little lesson or two about life. Um, but it's a very funny movie, even though it's definitely of its time, early 2000s. It is... Uh, also uh, pretty timeless with the jokes and the humor. And if you like Tina Fey's comedy, if you like 30 Rock, and you know I think Tina Fey is a good writer, um, then you'll probably enjoy it. I was exp- I went in as an adult male uh, when my daughter was excited to see it because she had a phase when she was very young that she really liked Lindsay Lohan, which I was a little worried about, but we've moved on. But she liked the Lindsay Lohan Parent Trap remake. Who didn't? Which led her to the Lindsay Lohan oeuvre. And this movie popped up naturally. Movie and, Rides Again. <laughs> and I remember we watched that too. And I remember 
being a little nervous about what this movie was going to be, and it was delightful. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Uh, I've seen it since once or twice because my daughter watches it still. Right, right, sure. sure. Um, there's a lot of famous actresses in this. Uh, it's it was sort of ended up. It's a lot of the people who were sort of up and comers became stars in this movie. Um, but here's a funny scene. Uh, that really needs no explanation with uh, Tina Fey, who plays a teacher. Let's check it out. Okay, so we're all here because of this book, right? Well, I don't know who wrote this book, but you all have got to stop calling each other sluts and whores. It just makes it okay for guys to call you sluts and whores. Who here has ever been called a slut? Okay, everybody up. Miss Norbury had us write out apologies to people that we'd hurt in our lives. Alyssa, I'm sorry I called you a gap-toothed bitch. It's not your fault you're so gap-toothed. Gretchen, I'm sorry I laughed at you that time you got diarrhea at Barnes & Noble. And I'm sorry I told everyone about it. And I'm sorry for repeating it now. Laura, I don't hate you because you're fat. You're fat because I hate you. I just wish we could all get along like we used to in middle school. I wish that I could bake a cake made out of rainbows and smiles and we'd all eat be happy. She doesn't even go here. Do you even go to this school? No. I just have a lot of feelings. Okay, go home. Sharon, I think you're doing a great job. Thanks, I feel like I'm getting through. I'm sorry that people are so jealous of me. But I can't help it that I'm popular. Oh my gosh. Okay, walk it off. Walk it off. So, you get the idea. Funny. Some low-key humor. Some biting comedy. Um, mean Girls. And then next up for me is a classic of my youth that I actually got to make a promo for when I worked at TNT. Uh, and that Do you is, have of that course, promo for us to enjoy I today. Don't. I wish I did. That's John Hughes' great Pretty in Pink. Uh, fun fact the promo I made when I worked for TNT made my boss cry. <laughs> I think she had Because uh, she was so disappointed about, in you? I think she had feelings about Pretty and Pink. No, she said it, it was touching. I thought that was hilarious and surprising. Shout out to Andrea. Um, so this movie is a classic John Hughes 80s film during his run of... Um, it's actually directed by Howard Deutsch. But uh, it's so John Hughes, he wrote it, he produced it, that it's basically a John Hughes movie. He picked the director. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, but this is during his run where he was so on fire that he was just handing off scripts he wrote to other dudes going, just make this shit and it's still going to be a John Hughes movie. Um, so it stars uh, Molly Ringwald, Andrew McCarthy, and whatever this fucking nerd's name is, John Cryer. And also the great James Spader as possibly the most hilarious of all James Spader villains. Uh... I love James Spader in this movie so much. For sure. So uh, this is a sort of wrong side of the tracks, teen romance type thing um, that uh, Harry Dean Stanton plays her father. Um, Molly Ringwald is the star. She lives alone. What She's being raised by her dad. They kind of live literally on the wrong side of the tracks in the poor section of town. And it's sort of the classic rich kid, poor kid thing. She sort of falls for... 
Andrew McCarthy who plays Blaine and she's <laughs> in love with Blaine and trying to discern how real you know Blaine has only dated popular girls and rich girls up until this point so you're the movie is like you're trying to figure out is he, is his interest in Molly Ringwald's character real or is it just because she's different from the other girls he's dated and then John Cryer plays Ducky who is basically the friend in high school that every woman I know has had where you have a guy he's your friend but he wants to be more than a friend and in the movie this is from the 80s so you're supposed to identify with Ducky and be like oh poor Ducky but really hindsight being 2020 looking at it from today's perspective Ducky's a bit of a prick who won't shut the fuck up about what he wants from Molly Ringwald instead of just saying cool let's be friends since you don't want to be more than that but back in this era he was the poster boy for all the boys out there who got friend zoned unrequited yeah uh, love of a of a friend who you think you would be so much better for so there's a lot of truth about teen feelings in it still Um, it's a little schlocky it's certainly not um, top shelf John Hughes but it's still really uh, well made and I love all the acting in it and James Spader alone makes it wonderful um, so this is a scene where Ducky uh, decides to James Spader has been slandering Molly Ringwald calling her a slut because she would not go out with him uh, and he's jealous of Andrew McCarthy Ironic. and her yeah I know and so Ducky decides to stand up for her even though again she didn't ask him to do that so let's check out James Spader being fucking hilarious You got a problem, friend? You just get to spit on the floor in front of the vice principal. I just like how the teacher, he's like, all right, all right, get your fucking hands off me. And I like that James Spader's like, we were saying like 35, smoking a fucking (laughs) cigarette in the the hallway. He is giving off strong Robert California vibes in that shot, (laughs) in that scene. Uh, So Pretty in Pink, a great movie for many reasons, but mostly for James Spader being James Spader. And then finally uh, is, of course, a classic teen romance of my youth and a movie that still holds up pretty well. And that's, of course, the great Say Anything um, starring John Cusack of the Cusack fam. All mm-hmm. good actors. Indeed. Uh, and Ione Skye, who ended up uh, 
sort of dropping out of acting, married Ad-Rock, and is now back acting again. Uh, and uh, the great John, what's his name, Mulaney? The, the, uh, the dad. Yeah, Mulaney. Um, who plays the father in Frasier, of course, better known as. Um, so this an old man for a hundred years. Yeah. So uh, John Cusack plays Lloyd Dobler, who is again. This is another classic. They were really into this in the eighties. They were really into a poor white kid and a well-to-do white kid. And can they find love on the other side of the all the troubles the that railroad the railroad tracks had yeah. throughout history? So this was a big popular theme in the eighties when we were growing up. Um, and so, of course, many folks I know of a certain age I did identified heavily with Lloyd. Dobler or wish they had a boyfriend like Lloyd Dobler. So here's a scene that I think is hilarious. This is pretty much just a goofy sort of bittersweet teen romance that I, that I think is, is definitely of its time, but uh, holds up surprisingly well. Uh, and this is a scene where Lloyd comes to dinner for the first time with Ioni Sky and her dad loves her very much and is very, very controlling and is having trouble um, letting his high school aged daughter sort of explore being an adult and things like having a boyfriend that he may or may not approve of. So this is the very uncomfortable dinner they have where Lloyd basically says that he doesn't want, he has no ambitions in What his plans for the future? Yeah, which is nothing to do with what her father wants for her. So let's check it out. You two are amazing. You know? The way, the way, the way you talk. I'm just like that. With, I'm not even like that with anybody. <laughs> the Stellar Jukebox, sir. Thanks, Lloyd. How do you obtain one of those? Oh, uh, what do we pay for the world, Mr. Al? Well, that guy didn't want to part with it. A little matter of uh, $9,000. So, Lloyd, you graduated Lakewood, right? Yes, sir. What are you going to do now? Yeah, Lloyd. What are your plans for the future? Spend as much time as possible with Diane before uh, she leaves. Seriously, Lloyd. I'm totally and completely serious. No, really. You mean my career? Um... I don't know. I've, I've thought about this quite a bit, sir, and I, I would have to say, considering what's waiting out there for me, I don't want to sell anything, buy anything, or process anything as a career. I don't want to sell anything bought or processed, or buy anything sold or processed, or process anything sold, bought, or processed, or repair anything sold, bought, or processed. You know, as a career, I don't want to do that. So, uh, my father's in the Army. He wants me to join, but I can't work for that corporation. Um, so what I've been doing lately is kickboxing, which is a uh, new sport, but I think it's got a good future. As far as career longevity, I don't really know because, you know, you can't really tell. If you're eight and six as a fighter, you know, it's no good. You know, you have to be great, but I can't really tell if I'm great until I've had a couple of pro fights. But I haven't been knocked down yet. I don't know. I can't figure it all out tonight, so I'm just going to hang with your daughter. Hilarious. Yeah. Um, so, the so uh, those are three of my favorite um, teen romance movies. And now, over to Grace. 
Uh, my first favorite teen romance movie from 1987 is 1987's Dirty Dancing, uh, directed by Emil Ardeliono, who went on to direct Sister Act. Um, Got a few hits under under his belt. The uh, how is she just floating here with nobody? Because <laughs> we're covering uh, Patrick Swayze. So Patrick Swayze, Johnny, is the dance instructor at what, sleepaway camp, whatever the hell the place is. What do you have any idea what the Adirondacks uh, facility hate, is? I hate dirty dancing. I've only seen it once. Because Sorry, it was no. just so emotional for you, you just yeah, you just, couldn't I process it. it out. I just cry if I think about it. Yeah. Did your promo for Dirty Dancing? I never did a promo for Dirty Dancing, although what? I would have done a great promo for it. But no, I never had to watch it again af- after the one time I saw it, and so I and never it, did. After it touched your soul, you just never yeah. moved on. Oh, it touched something. So Jennifer Grey, baby, a pre nose job, Jennifer Grey. Yeah. Uh, to where she was then always felt like people said, oh, you look a little like that woman who's in Dirty Dancing. <laughs> uh, terrible career move. Um, not the movie Dirty Dancing, obviously. Grossed millions of dollars. Big hit. Worldwide. Big hit. Um, her family is these Richie Riches who go to this... Wait, is it another wrong side of the tracks white people story? It is. <gasps> um, Johnny is from the wrong side of the tracks. <sighs> He's named Johnny. I mean, and it's with an H. Do you know a Johnny that isn't from the wrong side of the tracks? I don't think Johnny Ray cuts these <laughs> pre-flights, so I think we're safe to say <laughs> Johnny Ray's not from the wrong side of the tracks. I don't think um, Johnny is a dance lead dance instructor, but a at, bad, but a badass dance instructor. Yeah, he's, he's Patrick Swayze. Yeah, for sure. Um, and he his dance partner uh, gets in the family way from a. Mm-mm. Medical student. I think he's still a student. Maybe going to medical school. Um, he's got a future ahead of him. And he's a promising young man. Promising young man. Should, should have his whole career ruined just because of a woman. Little Couldn't mistake. Be careful. Um, so Jennifer Grey steals some money to pay for her abortion and then steps in as the dance partner. And then the magic starts happening. And then we learn a little bit about... All I remember about this movie is the great Jerry Orbach plays the angry dad. Yeah. And shout out to Jerry Orbach. Rest in peace. Jerry Orbach's still alive? No, he's dead. Yeah. yeah. Rest in peace. Um, so if you haven't seen Dirty Dancing, look away because this is the ultimate finale to the movie and you, you would never be able to Dirty process Dancing, it again. Go for it. Watch this scene and don't ever see it. So let's check it out right now. Now I the time of my life No, I never felt like this before Yes, I swear It's a truth And I owe it all to you Cause I the time of my life And I owe it all to you Just remember, you're the one. 
That scene is a tight four minutes and 15 seconds of cinematic <laughs> Fucking glory. Fucking brutal. Um, so luckily, Jason was able to wipe away the tears of both sadness and joy mm. before we would cut back on the camera. Oh, yeah, maintain. I was. I'm back. Core. Yeah. Uh, my second favorite teen romance movie of 1987 is 1987's Some Kind of Wonderful. The flip side, <laughs> AKA Pretty in Pink. Pretty in Pink. This the is the gender <laughs> reversal Pretty in Pink, which I prefer it's, to Pretty in Pink. It's literally the same story. It's John oh, sure, H- you prefer the version with a white man at the center of it. No, I actually, the only real reason why I like it, well, I like it because of... Um, Leah Thompson? No, Mary Stuart Maston. Mm. And I just can't ever tell my left from my right. Um, and Elias... Cateus's magnificent turn as Duncan, which is really why I like this movie. Um, evidently, John Hughes did not like the end of Pretty in Pink, that it was re-focus tested, or was focus tested and reshot. And so this is the director's cut Pretty in Pink story that he always wanted to have happen. And the evidently, he also wrote Ferris Bueller's Day Off while he was rewriting this movie. It was like... On the set. It was like the night... He was supposed to be doing it the night of and he wrote the whole Ferris Bueller's uh, Day Off script and handed it to his writing partner in there and he was like, what the fuck is this? This is a whole other movie. We're shooting this thing now. But anyway. In fairness, they had already made this movie. He was like, yeah, I just... <laughs> he already just replaced the names. Yeah, if just- it was word processor <laughs> fun and replace days, it would have been only taken him 15 minutes. But he named everybody for um, Rolling Stones characters because he was just that bored with rewriting the same movie again. Um, but in this very climactic scene, we find out how Eric Stoltz learns how to give a high five at the very end. So let's see. This is not the great Aguat like Jens line from Duncan, which is the best line in the whole movie. But this is the uh, the taking down of Diet James Spader and uh, off-brand uh, Molly Ringwald. Let him go. Why don't you do something right for once in your life? I mean, forget it. It's worthless. You can't talk to him. What do you want? You know what I want. Okay. Okay, you want me back? I'm back. <laughs> Come on, it's not that easy. You're gonna have to convince me. I want you to beg let him go. Come on, you're right. Big. Oh. Bastard. You're gonna have to break. I don't think it's gonna be necessary. You no, know, I didn't know Jen's lived in a hen house. Did you know that? Jeez. Must be a hen house because I don't see nothing but chicken shit. I don't want any trouble with you, all right? My parents are going to be home in a little while. You leave now and we'll forget everything. Right now, let's just cut the bullshit. All right, please. I'm here to wipe the floor with your ass, and you know it, and everybody knows it, and you deserve it. I think it's safe to say that this party is about to become a historical fact. Oh, oh wait, wait, wait. No. Okay. Okay. Look, I'm perfectly willing to forget this. Okay. I see no reason carrying this on any longer. It was a joke. If it's gone too far, it's over, okay? You want the truth? You want the plain truth? You're over. Are you just gonna leave? <laughs> there isn't anything I can do to him that he hasn't already done to himself. 
Wish I could live with that. Well, thanks again, Duncan. No problem, no problem. You guys go along, okay? We're just gonna stick around here, try to crank up this party to a nice, respectable level, okay? Okay. Okay. No, don't worry, don't worry. I'm not gonna mess him up. I'm not even gonna touch him. I'm just gonna make him cry just a little bit by just looking at him. <laughs> Good night. Yeah. All right, let's cut the bullshit. We're gonna have some fun. We're gonna have some fun. All right, guys, these girls have been looking at you like I don't know what. All right, now we're ready to party. Ooh, what a beautiful woman right here. She is dying for you. Fantastic. El Elias Coteas is always great. I like how he looks like he's 40 as a teenager. Yeah. But that movie's in no way better than Pretty in Pink. Agree to disagree. They couldn't even fucking let Eric Stoltz have his regular red hair. How could you, as a fellow ginger, be down with the fact they made him dye his hair brown to be a leading man? Uh, That's fucked up. Never really gave it much thought. Evidently, something you're used to. That's unnecessary. Let's hear your next one. No, I think it's necessary. I'm ready for your next pick, though. I bet it's going to be a good one. My last favorite teen movie from 1987 is 1987's Can't Buy Me Love. Uh, so you picked all 1987 movies. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, directed by the great Steve Rash, who went on to direct Eddie, the Whoopi Goldberg New York News. <laughs> How do you say that with a straight face? <laughs> Patrick Dempsey plays Ronald Miller, a uh, uh, lawn boy. Who's, is this the Gigolo movie? N yeah. Okay, so people pay him to deliver pizzas? No, 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 that's a different movie. Okay, I couldn't, the, I always get my Patrick Dempsey yeah, no, no, movies no, sorry. mixed up. The, uh, what is that movie? I don't remember what that one's called. But he's a pizza delivery boy and yeah, he bangs all the people that he delivers pizza. This is, yeah. <laughs> And it's like, uh, it's got um, the dude from Mel's Diner. Why the fuck the, didn't you do that movie? <laughs> it's not from 1987. Um, Why'd you pick 1987? Why not? Well, I mean, I think there's, there might, you know, people might think there was a reason that you randomly said, of all the romantic teen comedies in the entire history of nah. today, you just picked 1980. Did something happen in 1987? Is that where you first found romance? I graduated from seventh grade, so maybe. <laughs> found your hand and fell in love <laughs> just gonna move on from that uh, Patrick Dempsey plays Ronald Miller a lawn boy who has been cutting lawns and he bangs everyone who's lawn the, most to the moon and back <laughs> and he's got the, all this money and he's gonna buy a killer telescope cause spoiler alert despite the fact that he has fantastic hair throughout this movie he is a sneered um, gotcha. and uh Cindy Mancini, played by Amanda Peterson, is a very popular girl who wears her mother's really weird suede dress set thing to this party, and one of the people spills wine on it. So she's at the mall next door to the dry cleaners, uh, next door to the telescope shop at the dry cleaners, and it's going to cost $1,000 to get this suit fixed so her mom doesn't kill her. And they come up with a plan that they will pretend to be dating so that Ronald Miller will become popular. Uh, and through that process, they learn a little about each other. And a young Seth Green, friend of the show, plays Patrick Dempsey's younger brother with some uh, fun line moments. So this is, weirdly enough, there weren't a lot of scenes from Can't Buy Me Love 
floating around the internet these days. Imagine. So this is a reimagining trailer of Can't Buy Me Love, cut as though is somewhat of a suspense movie. Mm. So let's see uh, see how it is. Wouldn't you like to be popular? I was just thinking about the cool clique. Why would you be thinking about them? They're certainly not conscious of us. That's my point. Let's do something different. There's a call for you on my line. Tell them I'm out of the country or something. I know she's in the country, Mrs. Mancini. I saw her today. I'm talking cheerleaders, football players. Something stinks in suburbia. You can do anything you want. Anything you put your heart and your mind into. until I told her that you had a chemical imbalance and you are seeking psychiatric help. No mischief tonight. Now the police are really cracking down this year. Come on, have a little faith. respect you immensely. Gripping. Uh, so those are Great some of stuff. our favorite teen romance movies. Let's see what the Adult Swim Facebook picks were. Well, but I went too fast. <laughs> 10 Things I Hate About You, of course. A Silent Voice, yep. Perks of Being a Wallflower, a good teen movie. Not another teen movie, yeah, pretty shitty teen romance. And Your Name, which is great. Nice. Those are pretty good picks all, except for the Not Another Teen Movie. Yeah, about on par, I think, with yeah. Week In and Week Out. Let's check out the Toonami Facebook teen romance movie picks. Not Another Teen Movie at the top. <laughs> Nick, and Nick and Nora's, Nora's Infinite, Infinite Playlist. Ugh. 10 Things I Hate About You. Heather's, Heather's is a good pick. And 16 Candles, of course. Um, strong. Yeah, strong, strong showings. Um, so that wraps up that subject. But now we're on to the sneak peek portion of the show. And I'm going to throw it over to Gil. Oh, look, it's One Man's Trash. What is it really? We're, we're really going really to do it this time? We haven't gotten there yet. Okay. We're going we're to take our time and get through the sneak peeks portion. Oh, okay. And then, spoiler alert. There may be a little special prize afterwards. About fucking time. Uh, but first is the topical for this week's Dragon Ball Super episode, which will premiere tomorrow night at 11 p.m. On the next all-new episode of Dragon Ball Super. I'll shatter through my limits, and then, Jiren, I will defeat you! Dragon Ball Super, Saturday at 11 on Adult Swim. 
And then our next topical is for Genlock, which premiered last Saturday, and hopefully you're enjoying it. Uh, this is the second episode, which is tomorrow night at 11.30, and let's check out that promo right now. On the next all-new episode of Genlock. Thank you for all your time thus far. Testing for our program, but you're not done. Not quite yet. Genlock, Saturday at 11.30 on Adult Swim. And then next is uh, a video game review for Bloodstained Ritual of the Night that Dennis made. Shit-stained Ritual of the Night? Mm, that's a different game. Oh. Uh, this is Bloodstained. Oh, okay, Bloodstained. The sequel, right. I believe. All right. Um, so let's check out Dennis's Tom and Sarah review right now. Almost five years ago, the people's love for the Castlevania series inspired a Kickstarter game. And now Bloodstained Ritual of the Night is finally here. You play as Miriam, an orphan cursed with the rare ability to absorb demonic crystals and wield their powers. Another Shardbinder has opened the gates of hell and you're the only one who can stop him. Explore the massive demon-infested castle while slashing your way through Hell's minions and going toe-to-toe with hideous bosses. The more shards you absorb, the more powerful Miriam becomes. Craft mighty weapons to upgrade your attacks. And cook up some delicious treats for extra stat bonuses. There are tons of secrets, plus a few alternate endings to uncover. And once you beat the final boss, some cool new game modes really keep the blood flowing. It's not quite Castlevania, but it's a fitting tribute. We give Bloodstained Ritual of the Night an 8.5 out of 10. Hell hath no fury. Must be weird to be the people who make Castlevania games and watch a Kickstarter version of an old version of one of your games take off and do well, it's like, feels like a missed opportunity there. You know, like, feels like someone at Konami could have said, well, let's just make another old school style Castlevania for those people, you know? Like if a toy company had come along and marketed themselves as a toys from Toonami shows oh. and we could have made a lot of money off that? Yeah. Missed opportunities. Like. Yeah, you might even call it Toynami. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. that's a good idea. Bit of a portmanteau. Yeah. Uh, what's this next on the list? Uh, so, it's been a while. Um, been a while. I wanted to bring back another one man's trash. Uh, we talked about this before our hiatus. Mm-hmm. We took a bit of a July yeah. yep. hiatus. Yep. Um, and I was working on it on the, sh- on the one show. And somebody was really mean to me about having not finished it yet. Who, who and I'd only mean? been doing it for like two or three days. So it who felt was like. Who mean to you? <laughs> it was me. Felt like maybe there wasn't enough time. So I'd, I'd made my peace with where I was that day. Mm-hmm. Um, and through no fault of my own, other than it being entirely my responsibility and plenty of time to have done it, I didn't actually have it finished in time for last week. But. This week. Is it done? Uh, not right now, but it will be by the time this runs. Um, so Don't this is. Time. Just saying. We're recording this on Wednesday. We only got a couple days. Yeah. All right. Piece of cake. Cool. This, well, given your track record. This is course, my run at Give Me God of War New Game Plus Sigrun Battle. Um, and. You can just experience it along with the audience. And thrilling stuff. Let's check it out. I bet it's thrilling stuff. Welcome to another edition of One Man's Trash, the Procrastinator's Dilemma Edition, where today I'm going to finally finish 
the Give Me God of War New Game Plus Sigrun Queen of the Valkyries fight. Uh, and rather than sort of explain what's going on, uh, we're going to show you what's going on. So I'm just going to see the whole fight in all of its bullshit and cheapness uh, and potentially glory. Uh, well, glory, because I did it. But here, let's check it out. So I love the way this fight starts, that you reach in the first time, you're not really sure what's happening, and she just smashes your face into the ground, and you know that you're in for it now. Anytime there's a red ring, it means you have to dodge, you can't block. Uh, and so, just like the first time, this fight is all about learning her patterns. So that ability is when you dodge, and you perfectly time your dodge, you can slow down time and get the realm shift. So that's the perfect mark of Kavasir enchantment. So this fight is learning her new abilities and the changes that she has in her old abilities and biding your time just like you did the first time. So it's get your runics in. I like having the talisman that lets you reset all of your runics when you go through the un talisman of unbound potential because you do so little damage to her, uh, at least the way my guy, my uh, setup was. You do so little damage that you really just need to keep doing more and more runic fights. So that's the um, Wrath of the Frost Ancient. And then really you have to know, even the ones that are supposed to stun her every time, don't. So you have to be able to hit her, stun her. And I never, every time I died... It was mostly because of that jab. I just couldn't see it for some reason. When she goes right, I could see it, but when she just stands there and runs straight at you, um, it really messed me up. So this is going pretty well so far, about a minute and a half into the fight, and she's down one, two, three, four, five and a half bars. She has two different ones of those attacks, and then being able to parry... I, you can dodge. Uh, I never played the game dodging up until these fights. Um, so it was really hard for me to get the dodge mechanic down. So that pretty much means I'm sunk right there, the one that I lost. Because um, I one hit and you're so down. Uh, but I figured I'm rolling on and I might as well need the practice. It's been a day or two of fighting this fight. And then there's just a bunch of attacks you just have to wait through. And didn't really have much offensive there. Um, dodging her drop downs because she does three different ones of those really is the biggest fight because if she catches you you're dead um so i had the cod of war thin wraps um for the wrist so that if your one of your meters is all the way up and you collect something for it it fills up your other so that's i got my health back and sort of back on track here for this fight and then just sort of goes on and on for a bit blah 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 shoot dodge um they're they change up the timing of that one, um, and again, then it's just sort of how many times can you parry, how many times can you hit her with the runic, when does she get stunned, and they keep trying to push you into the walls and keep pushing you right, because most of the stuff you need to dodge right, and eventually she just hits you with that jab. So there, I didn't turn around and I got uh, blinded. But that doesn't actually hurt you that much as long as you don't get hit on the back end. Um, so, fight's still going okay. She's a little less than halfway down, about 3 minutes and 45 seconds into it. That mechanic, you have, unlike the other ones, if you don't do it in time, then she 
busts it open and it basically kills you. Um, and then th- that flip around in the sky attack is the other one that is the world ender. So there's a couple that you have to. She has two different ones of those attacks, one of which you have to dodge and one of which you have to block. Um, and then more realm shifting. And sometimes you can stun her out of that, sometimes you can't. Uh, and then this is just where the fight starts really dragging on because you're not really able to do much damage. Once she's stunned, is a good time for the seething earth because normally she just dodges all of them like she's sort of doing here. But when she's frozen a little bit, you can actually hurt her some and get your health back. Um, and then it's just pairing every time and making sure that you're not missing the second attack too. So I don't know how the hell I survived that one, but I did. Um, and again, it's really just not pressing the attack over and over and over again. You gotta, the way you die in this fight is not taking your time and not realizing when she, even though she should be stunned when she's not. And everything else is just learning the patterns and doing it over and over and over and over and over again. And not missing on that throw, because if you miss on that throw, you're totally screwed. And I started feeling like this was maybe gonna be doable because I haven't used my resurrection stone. I don't have any rage, but that's okay because that's not all that helpful anyway. Uh, I almost screwed that up by not throwing in time. Um, But then you just sort of skip through and it's just sort of slowly grinding her down and using the Ratataskar for the bitter squirrel so you can pick up some more rage. Now we're like seven minutes in and really starting to think about it now and realizing that I'm going to be so pissed when I'm not able to beat her. And seven and a half minutes in, well, seven minutes and 40 seconds in, it's just more, she just does so many attacks that you can't parry and you can't really do anything against. So it's really just dragging out the fight. And I honestly feel like the closer she gets to death, the less damage your attacks do. Um, Because it takes forever to get the last one down. And then she really starts breaking out all the total bullshit moves. But dodging more sky attacks. And miraculously didn't get hit, I don't think, with a single one of the jabs. Um, Avoided those two moves. Coming in for the parry. And now I'm just really hoping nobody walks into my office. Because I don't think I'd gotten her down to under two before. Certainly not without using the Resurrection Stone, uh, which I still have, so a possibility to take one more super cheap hit. And then luckily didn't get stuck on the throne there. So, But this is still 8 minutes and 40 seconds of just making two mistakes. Don't, don't make more than two mistakes, I think, is the, the rule of the game here. Uh, and luckily the Blessing of Runic and the cooldown proc a lot when you're deflecting, if you have that Runic on. Um, she's just still more... This is just more attacks where you just can't really do that much damage. Uh, and I'm still waiting for somebody to come in my office ask me some stupid work question while I'm in the middle of doing very important work stuff. Didn't miss the throw there. And now I'm pretty much sure there's no way that I'm going to lose this fight. And then I got totally hit there and I have no idea. So now I'm just freaking out that I'm going to totally shit the bed at the very last second. Took everything I had not to pick up that health stone, 
nine and a half minutes. Now it's just blasting her, and I feel pretty good about this, because I can pick up this health stone. There's only one or two attacks that can just straight up kill you. As long as I don't miss that parry, then this is pretty much game over. But that didn't hurt her at all, which is such a crock of shit. And this is what I'm talking about, where it doesn't seem like the last bit you're able to do as much damage. So, a little less than ten minutes, dodge that. She comes in, one last big parry, parried into the ground, tries the shield, that doesn't work. Now I just try to unleash every single runic that I have, and the R3 pops up. And now it's just the glory of smashing her into the ground and tearing off her Valkyrie wings. And just a wave of, thank God I don't have to do this fight ever again, comes in. And knowing that you actually did save her, and then you get to pick up all your other goodies, and that's pretty much it for Give Me God of War New Game Plus. I didn't get all of the collectibles, but at this point, I think even that's crazy for me. Um, so I'm going to call this maybe a career on God of War, maybe one more run before it's all said and done, maybe before the next God of War game comes out. Uh, but I really love this game. This fight is super hard. Um, I don't recommend it. There's no reason to do it, and that's why it's a good uh, one man's trash. So if you got something fun or dumb for me to do in a video game, hit me up on Twitter at StupidGill and let me know. Were you thrilled? Great job, Trash Man. Thank you. You did a great job. Thank you. I'm proud of you for actually doing something you said you were going to do many months ago. Um, Me too. And then next up is our penultimate Adult Swim single for the 2018-2019 Adult Swim singles cycle. We have been doing a song a week for the last 51 weeks. This is track number 51 by the great Faye Webster. It's called Both All the Time. Let's check out a sample of it right now. So you can hear that song as well as the other 50 Adult Swim singles for the 2018-2019 cycle at adultswim.com slash singles or the Adult Swim Spotify singles Spotify playlist. And come back next week for the final Adult Swim single of this cycle, number 52. It's going to be a good one. Congratulations on almost making it. Well, yeah. I do what I say always in the time I say. That's just who I am. I didn't put any time frame on just saying just pointing that out cool the viewers know maybe they don't but whatever hi that's it tsunami every saturday night from 10 30 to 3 30